All right, guys, I'm going to struggle to read y'all what the moons are. This was published in 1839, 1840s, and this was by Hans Christensen Anderson. At least it's in his damn book, okay? Now, it was about a painter living in town, decided to go ahead and live in the country. He's all by himself, and he's like, oh, my God, I'm lonesome tonight. The moon decides to go and visit him every night, okay? And he tells him these stories and shenanigans of what's happening, okay? And he's telling the painter, paint what I tell you. The stories I tell you, you're going and you're going to paint it, okay? And then you're going to make yourself a little pretty picture book, all right? And that's going to be beautiful. Why? I have no fucking clue. He's a painter. <laughs> he lost his muse. He decided to go out into the country where he's all lonely only because he ain't got no friends. He had friends in the city. I guess he's city. these are city people who do not wish to visit their friend in the country. I have no idea. That's how, that's how the story's going. And the only reason I'm not reading the introduction is because I tried to read the introduction and it didn't pan out, okay? My brain is, like, on 2%. Now, Carmen, why are you reading if your old damn brain is on 2%? Well, honey, the reason why I'm reading is because it's on permanent 2%. I have no god-awful clue as to what is going on up there. And I tried to get some days off so I could figure shit out, but they were like, nah, so, Yeah. There's that. <laughs> I ain't going to get fixed anytime soon is what I'm trying to say. So you're going to have to grin and bear it or try something else of mine that sounds more funnier. And this might be a little bit frustrating for you. I have no idea, but we're going to go ahead and jump right in. I might mess up some words. I might mess up simple words and I might talk like William Shatner. I, I, I don't know. I am trying to flow with it, but for some reason... My mind no longer flows. Maybe it hasn't been flowing for a while and I just barely caught up to the notion. Who knows? But here we go. What the moon saw. First evening. <clears throat> Quote. Oh, the moon's talking. Last night. These are the moon's own words. I glided through the clear sky of India. My rays struggled to force their way. Already next page, I know, honey. Through the thick roof of old sycamore trees that arched beneath me like the shell of a tortoise from the thicket a hindu maiden stepped out gracefully as a gazelle and beautiful as eve there was something truly spiritual and yet material about her and i couldn't even make out her thoughts beneath her delicate skin the thorny lilian plants tore her sandals but she walked rapidly forward the wild beasts came up from the river after quenching their thirst, fled away in fright, for the maiden held a lighted lamp in her hand. I could see the blood in the delicate fingers arched into a shield over the flame of the lamp. She walked down to the river, then placed the lamp on the surface, and it drifted away with the current. You mean that lamp walked like Jesus on water? Okay. That's where we're going. Okay. I guess. I can't get over that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <sighs> the lamp. Okay. The lamp's just walking on by. <clears throat> the flame flickered back and forth as if it wanted to expire. But still it burned as the maiden's Maidens, maidens, dark, sparkling eyes followed it with a soulful gaze from beneath the long, silken lashes of her eyelids. 
She knew that if the lamp would burn as long as her eyes could follow it, her lover would still be alive. But it went out. He would be dead. And as the lamp burned and trembled, the heart of the maiden burned and trembled. She knelt and prayed. Beside her, a deadly snake lurked in the grass. But she thought only of Brahma and her bridge groom. What's a bridge groom? Bridegroom? Oh, honey, I think it's bridegroom, whatever that is. Maybe. He lived, she shouted joyfully, and the echo answered from the mountains. He lives. That was evening one. We're going to do a few evenings because it goes to 30 evenings. Mama don't have breath for that, okay? Second evening. It was yesterday, the moon told me, that I peeped into a little courtyard enclosed by houses. There was a hen there with eleven chickens. A pretty little girl was playing around them, and the hen clucked and spread her spread out her wings in fright over her chicks. Then the little girl's father came and scolded her, and I passed on thinking no more of it. But this evening, just a few minutes ago, I again peeped into the same yard. It was very quiet, but soon the little girl came out, crept cautiously to the hen house, lifted the latch, and stole softly up on the hen and chickens. What she steal? Lifted the hatch and stole softly up to the hen and chickens. Period. I don't know what she stole. Maybe the hens. I, I saw it. Nope, you didn't see it. You you skipped a sentence. They clucked loudly and fluttered about with the little girl running after them. I saw it plainly for I peeped through the hole in the wall. I was very angry with the naughty child and was glad when the father came and caught her by the arm and scolded her, still more sternly than yesterday. She bent her head down and her big blue eyes were filled with tears. What are you doing down here anyway? he asked. I wanted to go in and kiss the hen and beg, beg her to forgive me for yesterday, she wept. But I was afraid to tell you. Then the father kissed the innocent child's forehead. I kissed her eyes and lips. Moon's a little frisky there. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Did he just say he was angry? He was like, you know, Papa need to get that ass and spank it. Oh. The moon's a little flim floppy. <laughs> Are we going into third evening? Now, in the narrow lane close by, it is so narrow that my rays can slide down the walls of the house for only a moment. And yet in that moment, I see enough to understand the little world stirring below. I saw a woman 16 years ago. She was a child, and out in the country she used to play in old parsonage garden. The rosebush hedges were old, and their blossoms had fallen. They had run wild and grew rankly over the paths, twisting their long branches up to the trunks of the apple trees. Here and there, a rose still sat on her stem, not so lovely as the queen of flowers usually appears, but the color was still there, and the fragrance, too. The clergyman's little daughter seemed 
To me, a much lovelier rose as she sat on her stool under the straggling hedge and kissed her doll with the caved-in pasteboard cheeks. Ten years later, I saw her again. I saw her in the splendid ballroom, and she was the beautiful bride of a rich merchant. I was happy over her good fortune and sought her again in the silent nights. Alas, no one then heeded my clear eye, my trusty watch. My rose also grew up in rank wilderness, like the roses in a parsonage garden. Life in the everyday world has its tragedies, too. And tonight, I witnessed the final act. Ooh, you seem to be lushing over this. Okay. In the narrow street, deathly ill, she lay upon her bed. And the wicked, rough, and cruel landlord, now her only acquaintance, tore away her blanket. Stand up, he said. Your cheeks are enough to frighten anyone. Dress yourself. Get some money, or I'll throw you out on the street. Get up and hurry. Death is in my breast, she cried. Oh, let me rest. But he dragged her up and painted her cheeks, put roses in her hair, set her to the window with a lighted candle beside her, and went away. I stared at her. She sat there motionless, though her hand fell down into her lap. The wind pushed against the window until it broke a pane. But still, she did not move. The curtain fluttered about her like a flame. She was dead. There at the open window sat the dead one. As a as a preachment against sin, my rose from the parsonage garden. Damn, homie, the moon is pretty. <laughs> Whew. I like it. This moon's got attitude. Sometimes it's a little too frisky for the youth, but you know what? I like it. It's not bad. We'll keep going. We're on a fourth evening. Last night, I saw a German play. The moon said. It was a small town where a stable had been converted into a theater. That is to say, the stalls were still there, but had been fitted up as boxes, and all the woodwork was covered with colored paper. From the low roof hung a small iron chandelier. An inverted tub was fastened over it so that, as in a real theater, the lights could be drawn up when the prompter's bell tinkled. Did I read that right? Tinkled? I did. Tinkled. Okay. Not trickled. Not tinkled. Okay. Tingling. And the little iron chandelier skipped up half a yard. This was the sign that the play was about to be in. <laughs> a young nobleman and his lady, who happened to be passing through town, were present at the performance, and consequently the house was filled to capacity. The space directly under the chandelier, however, was as clear as a small crater. Not a soul sat there, <laughs> for the candles of the chandelier dripped down, drip, drip. I could see everything that happened, for it was so hot that the windows were left open, and every window the servants could be seen prepping in from the outside. Though the constables were posted inside the door and threatened the intruders with their sticks, the young noble pair 
sat close to the orchestra in two old armchairs, which were usually occupied by the burgomaster, 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 and his wife. But tonight they had to sit in the wooden benches like the rest of the townspeople. I look there now. One woman whispered to another. One sparrow hawk and turn out flies another. Everything took on more dignified aspect on this memorable occasion. The chandelier hopped. The mob outside got their knuckles wrapped. And I, yes, the moon was present too through the whole performance. I felt like he liked that one. What is next to me? Trash is what's next to me. Anyhow, we're going to go on to fifth evening because we're barely at 12 minutes. I feel like I've been reading for ages. Here we go. Yesterday, said the moon, I looked down on the busy city of Paris and my gaze penetrated into the apartment of the Lover. Lover? Lover. Mm. An old grandmother. And I go, that was a weird <laughs> Sorry, that was... my twang went to Chopin. <laughs> that just sounded funny. Poorly clad, for she belonged to the class of beggars, followed one by the attendants into the great, many a fawn in word before she had managed to make her way this far into the palace. She folded her scrawny hands and gazed around as solemnly as if she were in church. It was here, she said, here, and she approached the throne from which the rich gold-edged velvet covering hung down. There, she said, there, and she fell to her knees and kissed the purple hanging. I believe she wept. It wasn't this velvet, said the attendant, a smile playing on his lips. But it was here, said the woman, and it looked like the same then, the same and yet different replied the man that day the window were smashed in the doors burst open and the floor was red with blood yet you may truthfully say my grandson died upon the throne of france died repeated the old woman i don't believe another word was spoken and they soon left the hall the evening twilight faded and my beam streamed with greater brilliance on the rich velvet hanging of the throne of france now who do you think the old woman was I shall tell you a story. It was during the Revolution of July, near the close of the evening preceding the most brilliant day of victory, when every house was a fortress, every window a brocade, the people stormed the Tuileries. Ooh, Tuileries? Ah. Even women and children fighting among the, com the combatants. The mob forced its way through the halls and the apartments of the palace. A poor, ragged, half grown man boy excuse me it's a boy not a man fought bravely in the ranks of his older comrades mortally wounded with several bayonets thrusts he sank to the floor this happened in the throne room and the bleeding boy was laid on the throne of france his blood streamed over the royal purple hangings that partly covered his wounds there was a picture that Magnificent room, the mob of fighting rebels. A broken strand lay on the floor while the tricolor waved over the bayonets. And on the throne lay the beggar lad 
with his pale glorified features his eyes turned heavenward his limbs stiffening in death his naked breasts boyfriend had breasts okay his naked breasts and his ragged coat were half hidden by the rich velvet hanging with his silver lilies what yeah silver i don't know whatever that is <laughs> perhaps at the boy's cradle it had been prophesied he shall die upon the throne of france and the mother's heart had dreamed of a second napoleon my rays have kissed the wreath of immortality on his grave my beam last kissed the boat the brow of the old grandmother when she saw in a dream the picture you may draw here the poor ragged beggar boy on the throne of france mm -mm. I don't know what to think. So, wait. So, like, was the old lady able to see that? Something that didn't happen or something that did happen everyone forgot about? Because uh, the gentleman that was like, you a lie. I don't see no damn thing. You're going crazy. And the woman was like, it's a dead boy. It's a dead boy. He been leaking. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Not funny? Funny. I don't know. The sixth evening. I have been to Uppsala. I don't know if I said that right. The moon told me. I looked down on the great plain covered with coarse grass and on the barren field. I saw my image in the river Fares. Fires? Fures. Mm. While the streamer frightened away the fishes into the rushes, the clouds chased one another beneath me, throwing their long shadows upon the graves of Odin and Thor and Freya. And the hills there are called. The names have been cut into thin turf that covers the hills. Here and there is no memorial stone where the traveler can engrave his name. No rock wall wherein he can paint it. And so the visitor cuts into the turf and the bar earth. Bitch, it says bear. <laughs> and the bare earth along the range of hills is covered with a network of letters and names. An immortality that lasts until the next growth of turf. Upon the hilltop, a man stood, a poet. He emptied a mead horn decorated with broad silver rings and whispered a name that he charged the breezes not to betray. But I heard it, and I knew it. The coroner, no, the coronet, of a count sparkled above it, and therefore he did not name it aloud. I smiled, for the crown of a poet sparkles above this. I know, above his. I've been butchering this one. Oh, my goodness. The name of Eleonora de Este is with tassos. I, too, know where the rose of beauty blooms. Thus the moon spoke, but then a cloud passed between us. Oh, that clouds never come between the poet and the rose. I have no damn clue what I just read. <laughs> Seventh evening. A fresh and fragrant grove of oaks and beeches, visited by a hundred nightingales with each return of spring, stretched along the seashore. The broad highway lies between this grove and the ocean. The ever-changing ocean, once carried after another rolls past, 
but I do not follow them. My gaze rests mostly on one spot, a Viking's grave. Blackberry and slow grow between the stones. Here is the true poetry of nature. How do you think people interpret it? Listen, I shall tell you what I heard last evening and during the past night. First, two landowners came driving along. What splendid trees, said one of them. Every tree should give at least ten cartloads of firewood, answered the other. And we're going to have a hard winter. Last year, remember, we got fourteen dollars a load. And then they were gone. What a terrible road, said another man as he drove past his carriage. It's all because of those confounded trees, his companion answered. The only way for air to get in is from the sea. And they rolled on. The stagecoach also came by, and during this loveliest part of the journey, all the passengers were fast asleep, and the driver blew his horn. But he said only unto himself, I blow well indeed. Okay, it sounds fine right here. What do those sleepy people inside care about? Then the stagecoach disappeared. Now two young lads galloped along on horseback. Here are the fire and spirit of youth, I thought. They also glanced with a smile at the moss green hills and the dark grove. I should certainly like to go for a walk in, the, in, in here with Christine, the miller's daughter, said one of them. And off they rode. The fragrance of flowers was very strong. Every breath of wind was still. The ocean seemed almost part of the heaven that overhung the deep valley. A coach with six passengers rolled by. Four were asleep. The fifth was thinking of how his new summer uh, coat, not core, that's not even a word, (laughs) would fit him. And the sixth popped his head out the window to ask the coachman if there was anything remarkable about the heap of stones beside the road. No said the driver. That's nothing but a heap of stones. But the trees over there, they're really worth looking at. Tell me about them. Yes, they're most remarkable, said the man. In the winter, when the snow is so deep that nothing can be seen, those trees are signposts to me. I follow them and keep from driving into the sea, you see. That's why they are so remarkable. And then he drove on. Now, a painter came by. His eyes sparkled. He didn't say a word. He only whistled. Each nightingale sang more loudly and sweetly than the other. Stop that noise, he cried. And then he carefully examined all the colors and tints of the landscape. Blue, purple, dark brown. What a beautiful painting this would make. His mind took it in all. Just a mirror flex of picture, and meanwhile he, whispo- he whistled a Rossini march. The last to come by was a poor girl. She sat down upon the Viking's grave to rest and laid down her bundle. Her pale, lovely face turned toward the grove, and she listened. Her eyes brightened as she raised them over the ocean toward heaven. 
Her hands were clasped, and I believe she said the Lord's Prayer. She herself did not fully understand the feeling, the moment, and the scene around her will be in only her memory. It'll be invested with colors more beautiful and richer than the artist's accurate colors. My rays followed her until the dawn kissed her brow. Evening 8 Dark masses of clouds covered the sky, and the moon did not come out at all. In my little chamber, I stood more lonely than ever, and I gazed upon that sky where he should have appeared. My thoughts flew far away, up to greet my friend, who each evening showed me such lovely pictures and told me stories. What has, what has he not experienced? He has floated above the waters of deluge and smiled down on Noah's Ark, as now he does on me, and brought the consolation that a new world would bloom again. When the children of Israel wept beside the rivers of Babylon, he looked in sorrow through the willows where they had hung their harps. When Romeo climbed up the balcony and the kiss of love, wait, where am I? Yeah, when Romeo climbed up the balcony and the kiss of love rose like a <coughs> dying. I'm sorry, babies. I always seem to choke on myself. <sighs> if this is what aging is, I don't think I want it anymore. Good grief. All right, where was I, babies? Let's see. Something about Robin Hood, right? No, Romeo. <laughs> Robin Hood. When Romeo climbed up the balcony, the kiss of love rose like a cherub's thought from the earth. The full moon hung half-hidden in the thin air behind the dark cypresses. He has seen the hero at St. Helena looking forth from the lonely cliff toward the ocean, while great thoughts stirred within him. Yes, indeed, what cannot the moon tell? The history of humanity is to him a book of adventures. Tonight I cannot see you, old friend, and I cannot sketch any pictures in memory of your visit. Then, as I dreamily looked toward the sky, it brightened. There was a beam of light from the moon, but it vanished, and black clouds glided by. Still, it was a greeting, a friendly good night, sent to me by the moon. And we're going to end on that, honey, because I don't want to choke again. I'm getting a little exhausted. If you could tell, I've been skipping and William Shatner in my way through that book. So, <clears throat> be gone, hick voice. So, thank you guys so much for listening to me today. If you like, go ahead, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff, and I will talk to you all in the next one. Bye.